Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back to another episode of the Testudo Talk podcast. On this episode, we're going to be kind of doing a little bit of a preview of the Big Ten this year in football. We're going to be going over some win totals, picking some over-unders, and then we're going to hit you with some bold predictions at the end. Uh, I'm Emmett Siegel alongside Andrew Chodis. Andrew, we just finished up media day for the Big Ten for the football season. And, and you know, this is a Maryland podcast, so we'll start with Maryland. Mike Loxley, in his press conference, said that Maryland, it's now time to start competing for Big Ten championships. Now, I think that we can probably both be in agreement that Maryland is probably not going to win the Big Ten championship this year. But to kind of kick off this episode, I'm curious, where do you think they stand in that Big Ten hierarchy? And, and what do you anticipate this season might look like for them in, in terms of total wins? Well, I, I want to go back to Loxley's message, right? I, th- I think that's kind of been a repetitive theme over the past three years. You know, we've had players and coaches alike, you know, every year. Oh, if we don't, if we're not a big time championship contender, that's that's sort of a failure. I mean, but realistically, we know that Maryland's always, you know, a kind of a middle of the pack team. But I mean, but without a doubt, you know, over the past few years, you know, they they have steadily improved maybe into that top half, top four or five teams uh, in the Big Ten. Obviously, this is the last year of division, so I think every every one part of the Maryland football organization will be ecstatic when they don't have to play Michigan State, Michigan, Penn State, and Ohio State every single year. So I think it'll be really interesting to see kind of the momentum they're able to build uh, before that division split. And again, I, I I think the goal for them, right, is is to beat one of those big three teams, right? Because I, I think that kind of shows that maybe you're at the level where you're slowly getting to, slowly getting to the level of where they want to be, which is, you know, contending for Big Ten championships. I, I think I totally agree. And we've hit this point on a couple episodes now, just kind of talking about this football team for this upcoming year. And they look like they have a ton of talent, as much talent on paper as they've had really any year. Uh, recently, it's you know probably maybe since joined the Big Ten, yeah. And you look at that schedule though, and you just you see three games that are going to be gargantuan tasks, right? Yeah. Three massive uphill battles. And you know I'm looking here, and the number I'm seeing that that most books seem to be slotting them at is seven wins for this year. Mm-hmm. So when you look at seven wins, right, you're looking at that's a bowl game. That's where they finished last year, even though they lost to those three teams you mentioned, and then obviously a couple more ones. When I look at that, I, I do lean towards the over, though. I do think that this is a team that I don't see them losing more than five games. Now, I'm not necessarily saying they'll get to eight wins, but I think the worst you could do there is a push, personally, because you know I'm, I'm just going off paper. I'm not anticipating they're going to beat any of those three teams there, and then you get two, hook, two hiccups in there, You know, maybe, maybe some road games that, that are tough, and maybe some teams are better than we expect. But, but I'm curious what you think about that I, I would lean towards the over on seven wins and you know I, I'm, I'm seeing minus money on that so it seems like the public is high on this Maryland team and kind of projected them to finish fourth in that Big Ten East would you agree with that do you think that they're the fourth best team in the Big Ten East this year I, I think I think they'll be either third or fourth um I don't I don't think that they'll, uh, they'll be below that 
I think, well, I mean, the, the truth, right? If, if they can kind of take care of business in the games, they should win. And then if they can maybe scoop scoop up a win against one in Penn State, Michigan, or Ohio State, they'll have a chance to be in that top three. Again, this is kind of a theme we talk about every single year, and they really haven't been able to get over that hump. But I think, that, you know, there's a few themes we kind of have to look at with Maryland when we're looking at how they can improve, right? I think the first thing is you have Talia Tagovailoa, right? It's his last season. Like, how, how can he improve in his final collegiate season? Can he finally take that next step into making less mistakes, maybe improving his deep ball. I think you have another year of, of Roman Hemby under your belt, right? From freshman to a sophomore. He was tremendous. Can he take another huge leap? I think you have a you have a on paper, you have a really good defense, right? Probably one of your best defenses in a really long time, but it's probably in at least five, five, ten years. So I think it's kind of how can they grow mistakes wise? Because last year a lot of the games they lost it was a lot of self-inflicted mistakes. So if they can cut down on those and really just play smarter football. I think you're you're looking at a team that kind of approaches that that nine win, uh, that that nine win. That's probably their ceiling. And I would think that seven wins is probably closer to their floor. I would probably agree with you. I don't know if they'll get quite to nine wins. Yeah, no, so that's their ceiling. I think. I, I think that's you know that's kind of where if if they if ever, almost everything goes right, right. I think that's where they are. I think that's fair and. I think we should now transition maybe to talking about some other teams, you know, in that division, the big 10 East is so loaded. Like you said, you know, divisions are going to be gone soon. And we got to talk about the two time defending champ. I think we got to start with Michigan here. All right. Michigan's probably coming in on paper, the favorite once again, to win that big 10 East to probably win the big 10 championship and then make an appearance in the college football playoff again, like they have for the past two seasons, their numbers 10 and a half, right? So, I mean, you're looking at very little margin for error there. You're looking at, you know, they're, they're, people are saying they're going to win. They're going to lose one game this regular season. And, you know, last year they went 12-0. and 0. I guess they went 13-0 and 0 before they lost that game to TCU, which was kind of a fluke. I mean, if we're being honest, they were probably better than TCU. But, you know, that game got away from them there. And, the, you know, they, they couldn't put together a stop. But when I look at them, even though 10.5 is such a big number, and I, and I do feel this way about a couple other teams as well, even though 10 and a half is such a big number, I would personally lean towards an over on that. Cause I, I think they might run the table again. You look at that schedule, it shapes up so perfectly. And, you know, Jim Harbaugh suspended for the first four games. It doesn't even matter. Cause if you look at their first four games, it, it's a complete joke. So I see Michigan once again, kind of rolling their way towards at least 11 wins. I see them probably being 11 and no headed into that matchup with Ohio state. Um, would, would you say you agree with that with, you know, Michigan, over 10 and a half, I, th- I think that's probably where, where I would lean personally. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of how it feels every year for the past literally 15 years is you kind of expect both Michigan and Ohio State to have zero one loss in the resume headed, headed into the game. And like you said, Michigan won one of the top teams in the country, so physical, so skilled, dominant on the line of scrimmage. You have a quarterback in J.J. McCarthy who has a genuine chance of going number one overall in, you know, in, a, in, a, in a few years. Um, just a, a dominant team, right? I think that's that's kind of the way you, you can phrase it. An experienced team, you know. This is a they're 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 used to winning Big Ten championships. They're used to being in the college football playoff the past few years. They're just so hard to beat because they do everything the right way. So I would I would lean towards over as well. Now I guess the next question would be, what do you think about Ohio State? And because they have the same number, hmm. and you know, Michigan's beaten them the last two years after pretty much not being able to beat them at least more than like once since the turn of the millennium. Yeah. So Michigan's kind of owned them the last two years, which is a complete yeah. script flipped from, you know, before it felt like Michigan couldn't even keep up with them. Ohio state was kind of operating on a different level. 
Now it feels like Michigan's kind of taking the upper hand. Um, regardless of how that game goes at the end of the year, you know, Ohio State's schedule is a little bit harder. Do you think that the Buckeyes are also destined for 11 wins, or do you think maybe there's two regular season losses in there? I personally think there's two regular season losses in there. I think they're going to lose to Michigan again. I think Michigan at home is an advantage. And then, uh, you know, we'll talk about Penn State in a second, but Penn State, it seems like everything's shaping up for them this year. So what, what do you think about Ohio State in terms of at that 10 and a half number two, if you're picking Michigan to get to at least 11? Yeah, I, I mean, Ohio State's calling card for the past few years has been just their explosive offense, right? They're always top five or around there in points per game and whatnot. You have very debatably the best player in the country, Marvin Harrison Jr., a wide receiver. Um, I think that, you know, it kind of depends if, again, like the games against Michigan of, re of recent, they've just gotten dominated on the defensive end, right? They, the Michigan's defense has overwhelmed them. So I think that's – and Penn State also has a top defense, right? So I think that it's kind of those two games where – Think they're going to be really tight. I think you, you said Ohio State line is ten and a half. Uh, yeah. I mean, at least where I looked, which is DraftKings, okay. uh, I'm seeing Michigan and Ohio State both at ten yeah. and a half, which are the yeah. two highs. And then, and then I think you know um, I'm not going to call myself an Ohio State expert. I'm not, but I think that the biggest question mark with them is with CJ Stroud going to the NFL. Who's going to you know take over and 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 is do they have an elite quarterback in their system? I I know we've mentioned that Kyle McCord. He probably had some appearances last season. How how will he fare with the Buckeyes? So I think their number one question mark is 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 at the quarterback position. Right. And we're kind of just going down the line. I, I guess we should jump to Penn State if we're just going down, you know, the numbers of biggest to smallest. And we're not going to make it, you know, all the way down to the bottom. Obviously, we don't need to, you know, bore everyone with that. But when you talk about quarterbacks and hype coming into this year and kind of not knowing what you're going to get, Drew Aller from Penn State, this five-star quarterback has drawn so much attention this off season. And it feels like everything is building for like Penn state to get over that hump. And they've been that third team, right? You talk about, we talk about divisions with Maryland all the time, but I can only imagine what it's like for Penn state, just the amount of talent they've had for the past. I mean, you know, forever, but like, especially over the past couple of years and the fact that they've been stuck behind Michigan, Ohio state, and they have that one big 10 championship back in, you know, 2016 when they beat Ohio state that one time. Penn State's win total is at nine and a half, and it feels like an over. It feels like if it's going to go over, this is the year it has to happen. If, if Penn State's going to break through and make the four-team college football playoff, I mean, obviously, this is the only chance they have because it's the last year of that, but it feels like everything's kind of setting up for them to put together a special season. They have to go to Ohio State, and they have Michigan at home. Those are the two toughest games on paper. But Drew Aller, I think, is that real X factor who's going to kind of decide where their season goes. And it, it feels like the sky's the limit for him as opposed to before where it felt like they had a bit of a lower ceiling with Sean Clifford, even though I think Sean Clifford didn't get enough yeah. credit. Well, oh, I don't agree with you there. Um, I've I've always been just watching Penn State. I've been, oh, my God, this team could be so much better with, with, with a quarterback not named Sean Clifford. But we're not going to debate Penn State quarterbacks. Um, but what, what we can talk about is you mentioned – Drew Aller and kind of his, if his ceiling, you know, higher, higher than Sean Clifford. I mean, this is a Penn State team. I mean, they went 11 and two last year, right? Their only two losses were to, you know, Michigan and Ohio State. So I don't, I'm not going to go so much into it, but I, I don't see any reason why they don't go over that win total, right? Well, purely because of that reason. Yeah. I mean, unless they stumble somewhere along the way. Sure. I mean, it yeah. feel, but it feels like they're good enough this year, talent wise, to beat. Yeah. To beat those two teams, I don't know if they will. I would say right now, I probably wouldn't pick them to. 
Mm-hmm. But like, I think you can make a real good case that they're a sneaky pick to win the Big Ten this year. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know if they're sneaky because I think they're getting so much attention now. They're almost getting mm-hmm. too much attention that as I'm saying this out loud, I'm starting to think that maybe I should just fade them just because, you know, fade the public. But I don't know. I mean, they have a great team on paper. They have a great defense. They always have great linebackers. You know, Chop Robinson, Abdul Carter. They've got, you know, such a loaded team. Their running backs, I mean, their running backs are outstanding with Nick Singleton and Katron Allen were just dynamic last year. And then obviously the new quarterback coming in, their schedule shapes up so nicely where they have kind of a, a nice grace period before Drew Aller gets thrown into the fire. I mean, their first like five or six games feel like easy wins on paper that mm-hmm. I would feel pretty comfortable going over on Penn State nine and a half, just because mm-hmm. I think that worst case scenario for them, I see them losing two games. And I think even then, maybe they go over. And I could see them honestly representing the Big Ten East in the Big Ten Championship game come, I guess it's December. I, I think that's a little bold, personally. Think so? I, 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 guess, I guess, you know, saying that they're going to beat one of those two teams because both those two teams are coming off playoff appearances, but it just feels like they're knocking on the door and it feels like this might be their best chance under James Franklin since they had, you know, Saquon Barkley and Trace McSorley a couple of years ago and they were ranked like number one in the country for a couple of weeks. Should, they sh- should have made the playoff. They got they got snubbed. <laughs> the year they won the Big Ten championship, I, I, I thought they they might have gotten snubbed. They, yeah, they got snubbed. Um, yeah. So so as you said, fade Evan Siegel. Don't, don't 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 take his picks. That's not what I said at all. <laughs> fade Evan. All That's right. Um, I guess we don't. We already talked about Maryland. I don't think we really need to talk much about uh, the Big Ten East too much more. Maybe one more team, um, but. I'm curious who you like out of the West, at least in terms of most wins in the regular season. Um, you know, Wisconsin's got a new coach, Iowa. We kind of know what they are year in, year out. You know, Minnesota's hanging around. Nebraska's got a new coach, kind of an interesting division. So is there anything that stands out to you in the West in terms of, you know, we're talking about win totals, any any teams that you like maybe to to fade or, or to kind of ride this year? I'm saying this purely of how last year ended. I don't know if they're going to win the division, but I think who's going to have a really good season is Wisconsin. I think once they made the, their coaching change last season, I think they just there was a lot of positive momentum that went into that program. I think there was more hype around it, and I think they kind of were slowly getting back to where they usually are. So I think that's a team we, we can see probably compete for for one of those top you know top two top three spots. But I think they're going to have an impressive season regardless. I mean, Wisconsin's going to be like if you've watched Wisconsin. I mean, it feels like forever. It's boring right? football. It's boring football. Yeah, but it, this year, they're—I mean—they're running the air raid this year. It's gonna be—I mean, it's gonna like blow everyone's mind. Like, I don't know if it'll work, yeah. but just watching Wisconsin this year and seeing them throw the ball around—I mean, I don't know how that's gonna work in that Wisconsin weather in like November. The, but I mean, Tanner Mordecai coming in, like they're gonna be throwing the ball a lot with Luke Fickle. The thing about Wisconsin is that they. In a lot of games, even if they lose, they always compete, right? I mean, yeah, looking at their schedule, they've had they had some tough losses last year, but just off the top of my head, just over the past few years, tell me if I'm wrong, it kind of feels like they're always in games, they always match the physicality of other teams, and they're always a team you can kind of never count out, right? Yeah, well, that's the thing. Like, even like teams like them, like when you know they had that string where it felt like they were playing Ohio State every year in the Big Ten championship game, like when you're that physical and that talented, like yeah. up front, you can match and, with anybody. And especially like that physical on defense, like even if you're not going to win because Ohio state just has like better athletes, like you can hang around at least and you're not going to get embarrassed, which, you know, is the kind of thing that, you know, wins you games later in the season when everyone's banged up and, you know, the weather gets cold, which is, you know, obviously prime. 
out of curiosity, who who is the odds on favor? I don't know if you have it up. Who's the odds on favor to win though with the West? Uh, so what I'm looking at here is I see Wisconsin as the highest win total at eight and a half, yeah. and then Iowa's at eight, and Minnesota's at seven. Those are the three okay. highest um, regular season win totals. I I mean Wisconsin, I guess that would make them you know the favorite. I kind of like Iowa over eight. I like the idea of them winning that division, to be honest. And I think that their defense, like we know all the stuff about their offense, right? We know like Brian, I mean, Brian Ferentz this year, I don't know if you're familiar with this, but you know, their offensive coordinator is the coach's son. Everyone was begging for him to get fired last year and he gets an extension with arguably the funniest contract stipulation I've ever seen is that they have to average 25 points per game this year or else he's fired. So that means including a bowl game, they need 325 points this year, which is going to be, I mean, I can't wait for people to start, you know, they're going to start running up the score in games and stuff, but I just think their defense is so good that even if their offense is like marginally better than last year, and that's like, that is not saying much because I mean, they scored, remember, you remember the, the, they scored the Iowa touchdown in week one. They had two safeties and a field goal. Oh, good. Yeah, I was going to say, the game they won, they beat, like, what was it? They beat, was North, North Dakota? North Dakota State? Uh, South Dakota State, I think yeah. it was. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, their offense was just, it was painful to watch. I mean, their best player is their punter. But well, like, if their offense is like marginally better, like, I think they got to get to at least nine wins. I just, I, it feels like hey, they it? can't possibly, their, their floor, their ceiling might not be super high, but their floor just seems like higher than almost anyone else's. Isn't McNamara the starter there? Yeah. He is so. I guess if they were to play Michigan, that would be, uh, that would be, was it last year's quarterback battle, the Cade McNamara revenge game? Ooh, Michigan, Michigan fans will laugh at that. <laughs> that was that was who they played. Uh, was it Iowa, Michigan, two years ago in the Big Ten championship game? I'm pretty sure it was. Uh, I don't remember to be honest. Uh, do uh, I don't know if if you were planning on doing any, any more predictions, but I do think something we 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 should address just because we are podcast and we are student journals i think we, we should just discuss briefly the situation going on um at northwestern and just kind of give our thoughts uh, on that do you what do you want to start and just kind of give your your brief thoughts on that because i think that is something important that we do need to discuss sure i mean northwestern the situation there and you know football aside right we'll get to the football in a second but just like, the situation there just like i mean what a terrible situation like all the details just like reading those stories from from, you know, the, the the student newspaper up there, like it was just it was terrible to see. And, you know, obviously Maryland has had its fair share of scandals, you know, recently. And, you know, you can kind of see what that does to a program and to like to see some of the stuff that was going on behind the scenes and the toll it was taking on their players. I mean, it was just like it's just awful. And there's no need for any of that stuff in sports. There's no need for any of that stuff anywhere. It just feels so unnecessary. And, you know, like. Pat Fitzgerald was on that list, I would say, a couple years ago, and obviously they had a terrible year last year, but Pat Fitzgerald was on that list maybe a couple years ago of guys you would say is like unfireable, right? Like he's an alum, great player. He's had more success there than almost anyone else. But when stuff like that comes out, I mean, you just have no choice. He had to be let go. Um, The whole thing where they suspended him and then decided to fire him later was, was a bit confusing. You know, their president feels like he kind of screwed up and now there's all sorts of stuff allegations of other teams in the athletic department it just feels like such a mess and just like 
Yeah. Just such a terrible situation in every regard. No, it's such a mess. And it's, it's so, well, it was tough to read, but it's so disappointing for obviously that, that student body, those student athletes, um, for the conference as a whole. I mean, it's, it's not a good, it's not a good look. And, you know, the focus should always be, oh, how do I, I mean, the focus should always be on, on football. That should be the prep. That should be the priority because these, these other situations should not be happening. So again, it's just really disappointing uh, to read about that. It's, that it's happening and do you want to give uh, a, a, foot, a football related prediction for them yeah i mean their their number i'm seeing for wins this year is three and yeah. i'm definitely taking the under i don't yeah. know if they're gonna you know lose more than nine games but there's yeah. no way they're winning four games this year so i think yeah. at worst you're getting a push there yeah i, th- I mean yeah i think they're, they're gonna be they're probably gonna be the worst team in the big ten if we're yeah. being honest yeah your coach is gone it seems like there's a there's transfers leaving every single day yeah i'm, I'm with you under, under three yeah, I mean, would you say would you, would you say Northwestern worst team in the Big Ten this year in terms of overall wins? Uh, I I I mean, I think Rutgers is always going to be kind of at the bottom as well. I think it's going to be a competition per se between Rutgers and Northwestern. <laughs> Rarely do I say this. Like you watch Maryland, and Maryland is like we talk about; they have a lot of talent, but Maryland is not in the level of talent where they should be like embarrassing other Big Ten teams. But when they played Rutgers in the last game last year, I mean, it just didn't even look like those two teams belonged on the same field, which is crazy to say because, like, I mean, we're talking about two teams in the same conference here, and one of those teams isn't even, like, an elite team in that conference. And, I mean, Rutgers was just so awful. And they're going to have the same quarterback this year who's supposedly very talented, but I don't know if they just don't have the talent around him or what, but just... Yeah, I their number I'm seeing is at four and a half, and I'm I'm way in on the under on that one. I think it's it's at least at least eight losses for them. Before we move on, just just to kind of round out the East Division, I think do we have a consensus that bottom three: Michigan State, Indiana, Rutgers, Maryland, floor is fourth, and they have a chance. Their goal is to get top three. Is that what you believe as well? I think so. I think I think those three teams ahead of them might just be too difficult. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, I would say I would say that that's probably fair. I mean, Michigan State, another team. You talk about transfers out. I mean, they don't really have a quarterback this year, so they're no. I mean, their their win totals at five and a half. I'm I'm under on that one. I don't think they're winning. I don't think they're making a bowl game this year, personally. I I mean I th- I think I mean you can't win a half a game, but I think around a push. Right? I think that five win total is probably. Most likely. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's probably a fair number, I would say. It seems like the public is, I mean, I'm seeing minus 165 on the under. So it seems like it seems like people are really out on Michigan State. I guess that's, you know, part of the nature, not really having a quarterback from last year. And, you know, there's there's all sorts, and they lost, you know, Keon Coleman, arguably the best overall player. So um, not, not great situation this year for them, um, at least where they were relative to past years. But I think we should wrap up this episode with some some bold predictions. Um, they don't have to be like the most flaming hot takes ever. You know, we're not going to predict Rutgers to you know run the table or anything. But, uh, but you can start us off. Uh, I want to hear what you have to say because I know you're a self-proclaimed hot take expert. So no, you know. I'm, I'm, no, 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 I'm not a hot take expert. Just sometimes some of the things that come that come out of my mouth with sports related predictions just make absolutely no sense. So I, I worked hard to make sure that uh, this one actually makes sense and is logical and actually people might agree with this i am gonna go with the take that Hayden frather will lead all maryland receivers in yards this season 
Interesting. I actually wrote down that I think Tyrese Chambers will lead all Maryland. I think version well, well, yours. So I'll it's kind of interesting. I, I I think that 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 transfer combo. I think the two of them are are, are going to com- combine for some pretty good yardage. But I think Caden Prather. I mean, he had a really good season last season at West Virginia. Was creeping towards 600 yards, and he was really like the third fourth uh, option. So I think, and also, I mean, you have a, obviously you lost your two best receivers, Maryland, and you know to the draft. And I mean, you kind of look at you know Prather is probably the one or two three. I mean. Jay behind, Jones. Yeah, Jay Sean Jones, number one. Jay Jones, Ty Felton around there, Chambers. Yeah, I mean, so, and then also like Corey Deitches is going to catch a ton of well, passes. Well, okay, yeah. That's but right. I mean, yeah, he's not a receiver, so I don't think we're counting him. But um, I, I also wouldn't expect him to pass either of those guys in yards yeah, anyway. So I would not be surprised if Caden Wraith gets like 700, 750, climbing to 800 yards and is close to the top of Maryland's receiving yards list. All right, I think that's fair. I, I just went with Tyrese Chambers because I think that. I, I I could see more volume for him. Yeah. Um, I just think that, you know, kind of the way he plays, maybe, maybe opens himself to more receptions. I don't know if that's going like, to, I don't know if he's going to provide like a huge downfield threat. I also mm-hmm. don't know if Katie Prather is going to do it. I don't think anyone will know until the season starts, but, uh, yeah. but yeah, I think a lot of people are expecting big things for, for Talia Tungvalo and that, that passing attack as always. Um, I'm going to throw out my boldest prediction to start because we're talking about, I just talked about a quarterback and we talked about this guy earlier and I don't even know if I believe this, but I'm going to put it out there and I'm going to stand by it. I think J.J. McCarthy might win the Heisman Trophy this year. I think J.J. Oh. McCarthy is going to win the Heisman Trophy, not necessarily because he's the best overall player, because I think Caleb Williams is the best quarterback in the country and Drake May's right behind him. But you just look at that schedule that we talked about. And I mean, those first like four or five games, he's going to put up insane numbers, Right. And I know they have a great they have a great running back, so they're going to run the ball. But I have a feeling he's going to put up crazy numbers, and you're going to get to that point in the season where you know they're eleven and zero, and they're playing Ohio State, and he just needs a big game. And then you know he's going to hit the Heisman pose like Desmond Howard in the end zone. I can see it in my mind. And Michigan's going to beat Ohio State, and it's going to be JG McCarthy's team. And then you know they're going to be back on their way to college football playoff. So if I'm giving out a bold prediction, I'm going to say JG McCarthy. It's not a bold take to say JG McCarthy is the best quarterback in the Big Ten. But yeah, I think J.J. McCarthy statistically might have the best year of any quarterback in the country in a power conference. I, I, I honestly don't think that's a hot take, but I'll, I'll give you an actual hot take. Four, so so there, wait, there's, there's four finalists for the Heisman, right? Or is it five? Uh, it's normally three, but yeah, sometimes three? Some, I think a fourth has been invited before. Two Big Ten players will, will finish top five in voting, J.J. McCarthy and Marvin Harrison. Mar- Marvin Harrison, like, man, it's so hard to win it. As a non-quarterback nowadays, I know Devontae Smith did it, but but man, I mean, he is he. You Mar- make a really good argument. He's the best player in the country at any position. I I I I think he's he's close. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's he's really he's really good. He's really yeah. good. Yeah, I mean, he's on that short list with like Caleb Williams and you know Harold Perkins down at LSU, and you know there's all there's all sorts of players you could throw in that conversation. But yeah, I mean, he is he's a special player. I mean, I mean, he it's not going to happen because you have two pro ready quarterbacks in this draft but like i think in a, in a lot of years he would be the number one overall pick which is crazy as a wide receiver i mean he's probably gonna be like a top three pick in the nfl draft which is you know pretty rare for a guy at that position i feel like all right um this will be my my last one because you know this has already been a little bit longer episode than maybe we anticipated um we talked about drew aller a little bit before and, and you mentioned this guy's name but i think that kyle mccord is going to be the best first year starter in the big 10 this year. 
And when I say first year starter, I'm not talking about incoming transfers. I'm talking about, you know, first year starting for big team. I just look at like Drew Aller. There's so much hype around him. And there's so hype, right? That's the question. Yeah. Like it's just, it's so hard to live up to that hype. And Ohio State is just such a perfect situation to step into and put up huge numbers when you got guys like, like Ibuqua. And we mentioned Marvin Harrison. You know, they're such a loaded team and they're going to play in such big games that, you know, I feel like he's going to be like, he's going to be thrust in that spotlight. And I feel like he's just going to shine up. I love Drew Aller, by the way. Like the second he came in, that I think it was week one against Purdue and he came in and like I saw one pass and I was like instantly like, I love this Drew Aller guy. And I love him as a player, but I just don't know if statistically he's going to have that same season because their running backs are such a big part of that offense that I could, I can see a scenario where, you know, maybe, and I know we're going to disagree on this, but I can see a scenario where maybe after that Ohio state game, there's maybe some people being like, Oh man, like, you know, Drew Aller, like, you know, like Sean Clifford might not have been as bad as we thought he was because he managed the game well and he was experienced and he was a veteran and he knew what he was doing with the offense and maybe Drew Aller takes some chances. And this is not a Drew Aller hate as much as it's just, a, I think the situation at Ohio State for a young quarterback might be better than the situation at Penn State. Fair point. It's, fair. it's, a, it's, it's a good point. I mean, we, we won't know until the season starts, but it's logical. It makes sense. Yeah, I mean, now now I've said that, you know, the Ohio State and Michigan quarterbacks will be the, you know, two best quarterbacks or whatever. Like, I know that's yeah, not exactly that, a hot take. Yeah, but... that, 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 that I personally think we have to wait and see for Ohio State, but makes sense. Ohio State, you kind of put it to a perfect situation. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll have to see. But, um, but yeah, I don't know if you have anything else. I, I don't, I don't want to make this episode too long, but uh, I think okay. that's about everything. The other thing I wrote down was that Iowa will win the West, um, but we kind of already went over that. So I don't feel the need to elaborate too much more on that so yeah i guess that'll do it for this episode um this i guess unofficially kind of officially marks the beginning of preview season for for the football season we're, we're super excited um over at testudotimes.com where we do writing we're gonna you know kind of kick it into gear early next week with with some of our maryland football previews and you know we're going to be previewing the big 10 at large uh, we'll have more preview episodes uh right here on the podcast feed for you guys coming up so so yeah thank you guys for listening as always and we'll see you next week in the next episode you know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.